Delighted now to be joined uh, by Danny Hughes and in the next few minutes we should have sports journalist Eamon Donoghue joining us as well. Um, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday night and news has just broke there Danny that Cork and Kerry in the Munster Championship has now been moved to Clarny. Cork originally had home advantage um, but it got moved from Porky Cueve because of the Ed Sheeran concert. Uh, and they've deemed that Porky Rin is not big enough to fit the attendance of 11,000. But I don't think this is the last we're going to see from Cork, and rightly so. Absolutely. Um, you know, it really makes me wonder <laughs> where... It's really baffling when a concert... And Ed Sheeran... Absolutely fantastic, don't get me wrong. Brilliant singer, brilliant entertainer. Um, but you have to question where the whole thing is going when you have Ed Sheeran is prioritised above Cork football and Cork Hurling. Uh, like what next? Uh, are, we, are we gonna is Croke Bart gonna be um uh, I suppose is is, is it gonna be heard out to to something else, American football games at the behest of uh uh, at the behest of um, uh, Gaelic Games, like God of Almighty, like I know down we're down playing in Cork, and I was talking to some of the players, you know, post the Cork game, and they said for, the stadium is absolutely fantastic. You know, it's uh, what a venue, uh, and for them, you know, to miss out in that carry match is is really extraordinary, and uh, you couldn't write it, you really couldn't, and um, I don't understand. Am I missing something where? The actual championship match couldn't be moved to facilitate the match going ahead in Porgy, uh, what Porgy Cave you used to be known, or or what is, why, why logistically can't they play it on another date that isn't edge here and doesn't have the stadium? But even um, Porky Rain, it's eleven thousand, and like, it goes back to the debate of Corrigan Park and Antrim obviously getting home advantage yeah. there, but. But the way Cork football is at the minute, and Kerry All Ireland favourites, like, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to get that more than eleven thousand. It might be a bit more. Oh, and, and listen, and listen, if if there's only ten or eleven thousand tickets, right? It's first come, first served. Yeah. It's a full house. It's it's it is what it is. Um, and then I'm sure you know if there's a big enough appetite for it, um, you know there'll be television coverage. I don't see. I don't see why there couldn't be television coverage of the game anyway. So, you know, it baffles me. But even when, when you go back to the last day of the National League there on Sunday past, and you look at what TG Carr put on, um, uh, and, and you look at their, it was kind of a, like a, a lot of people said it was red zone type um, uh, coverage. And, you know, they really do it right. And then when you look at RTEs, um, you look at RT's, I suppose, coverage. And it's, it's you know, I'm not saying RT. RT are fantastic at, at what they do, maybe in, in, in a lot of facets. But it wasn't good enough, really, on the last day of a major competition that is and, and what has become the National League. And for them, the coverage, I just thought, was shocking. Uh, right through from Division 1, right through to Division 4. 
And uh, TT Car really don't rate. And uh, you would you would love to see GA giving TT Car a wee bit more. Um, and you would love to see them giving. I just my own personal regret is is not uh, is not choosing or or taking a, a lot more interest in the Irish language when I was at school. It's something that I didn't really get my head around very quickly. <laughs> uh, but um, I suppose it's one of my regrets is, is not sticking with the Irish language a lot more at school. But listen, there's nothing I can do. Well, I suppose there is something I can do about it now. I'm going to get but, but, the, the, big, the big thing I would say, Paul, is, um, you know, it is, is so you, you deal with the 11,000 that you can't facilitate, but certainly you, you're not going to hear the last of that. Um, I would be surprised if Cork don't really kick up a fuss on this. And if enough, enough power there, I would, I would think in certain committees to, to make this issue uh, front and centre of, of, um, of the match. And to be honest, Cork are going to need every advantage yeah. to have to try and get, get over carry because really things aren't, aren't good in that camp either. Yeah, I was just going to say there, you might remember um, when Mayo played Kildare and it was Newbridge or nowhere. Like this, I think this is something Keith Rickon and needs to come out and probably do as well. Give the GA an option. Oh, absolutely. And uh, just say, uh, listen, we're not going to play the game until uh, it's uh, refixed back to to, uh, uh, to the home venue. And uh, if, what choice do the GA have? They're, they're, they're going to have to blink. And... Um, Listen, that's they're just going to have to play hardball on it. But I think Cork, if they have, you know, they're going to need everything that they have. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Cork just just take it in the chin and just uh, roll on with it. <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. And we have um, Eamon Donahue now on the line with us as well. Um, Eamon, we were just talking there, I suppose, just before the podcast. It was announced that Cork area has now been moved to. Fitzgerald Stadium for the Munster um, semi-final. What have you made of it? Okay, well, I suppose there, there was a lot of talk about the different capacity issues and stuff like that. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't uh, seen that news now breaking, and and uh, and I was working today. But I suppose the, there's a there's a loss there of, I suppose obviously Sue Kerry a lot, but I don't think that game. Looking at the league, to be totally honest, there's obviously people will be complaining about it for different reasons, but like. Based off the league and off of recent years, I, I don't think it's going to have a massive impact on the result unless we kind of have another mass uh, or crazy weather uh, kind of uh, forecast due for that day like we had the last time Cork turned them over. Like I, I don't think it'll have much, much of a, a difference on the, um, on the result. Do you think Cork need to make a stance here with, you know, Porky Rin being tight and everything just with, I suppose, the form of the both teams? Yeah, well, definitely in terms of like, uh, in terms of the right and wrong of it, like definitely they, they should be making a stance. Um, like we've seen it, we've seen it with uh, with Kildare and, you know, we've seen it with, with Antrim. And like, I suppose that anyone who doesn't make a stance on it kind of just makes it easier for the next team to, or for the GA to go and do it to another, to another county. And, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of, to kind of just to, as again, for me to say, it's not going to have any difference on the result because it probably won't. But like, then when it comes to hit you know your own county or whatever it's, it's a bigger deal like so I wouldn't agree with it at all and I would definitely be in, t- in favour of them them fighting it but um yeah like um said it's just a, that's the first that's the first that I that I'd heard of it but um I don't see it having a massive impact on the the result but I definitely would be in, in favour of them 
and challenging and fighting as much as as much as they can because you know i'd be people always kind of argue about like oh you know you want to get as many people in and all of this kind of crack and for games there's kind of a lot of the the um argument with a lot of this stuff but i think that at the end of the day um like in a lot of sports all over the world like not everyone who wants to go to a game gets to go to a game like you know that's not always the case like no one has a divine right to to go to a game like there's always going to be people are going to lose out and you know in some venues if there's a smaller if you have to go and play in a smaller venue to get it you know to get a certain team to have home status or whatever else um and so be it like but that's just kind of that's more important to me than to get everyone who wants to go to it or as many people who want to go to it there yeah it's, it's um going to be fascinating to see how that emerges in the coming weeks uh, another off the field matter, I suppose, before we get in to preview the league finals, um, the melee between Irma and Donegal. Five players have been uh, identified, which includes Stephen Campbell, Aidan Nugent, Kira Macken, Neil McGee, and Orrin McFadden uh, Ferry. Um, Danny, I suppose, as a man who's uh, been involved in the Ulster Championship, it's similar to the Tyrone Irma melee, but Strange thing here is, how can you pick five people out of that? Good question, Paul. And I thought you were going to say, as a man who was involved in many of my league, <laughs> uh, and uh, thankfully you didn't say that because, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, thanks be to God, the only Malays we were involved in were, were really at club level. There was a few scoffers and stuff at, at county level, but really, you know, as I, I said to you, I think it was on the throne Armagh one, you know. If our local Paris Chapel here on Christmas Eve, you want to see the Malay trying to get out the door in that one, and uh, and 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 it's very difficult how anybody could pick out those. Like even with the benefit of video footage to pick out those boys, like you would you would need to be watching those particular players to see that. So it was it was it was difficult for me to see how the referee would pick out those particular people in real time. But maybe, you know, him and his officials uh, maybe saw something that, that we didn't in, in lifetime or um, I just find it I just find it very, very difficult to uh, to understand. But when the blood's up, listen, that, that has happened. And Armagh were, I suppose Armagh could have stepped away knowing that they were involved in something similar against their own and knowing the repercussions of their own and knowing that they're four weeks out from the championship, you know, it wasn't the wisest move for, for players to get involved in that sort of stuff. And when you when you immediately get involved in that, knowing that Tyrone got those suspensions and, and they didn't, I think they didn't bother, uh, I suppose, uh, appealing it because they just felt they would, they would take their medicine and get on with it. So, listen, the, the gaunt has been thrown down early in the league. I would be surprised if they didn't appeal it. Um, and maybe lock it into some kind of legal uh, due process to try and um, try and prevent those suspensions going through and, and trying to get some of the guys exonerated because Arma on the back of a defeat, obviously, to Kerry and now defeat to Donegal. When they went so well in the league, they'll have been disappointed that they didn't get to the league final. But Silver War is Silver War. Um, and regardless of anything else, we, we don't know. We only have three competitions really to go on in any year. The National League, the Division One National League is a fantastic thing to win. Um, and not everybody wins one. 
um, the Ulster Championship. And again, you, you know how difficult that is in the All Ireland. So there's only a few cups up for grabs uh, in any given year. And I would have loved to have been in the final there. And the fact that they, they had a couple of defeats now in a row, um, and now that these suspensions look on the horizon, there's just a wee uh, seed of doubt uh, that that maybe might creep in there, and that might make them a, make them a wee bit more vulnerable. Um, and, and I'm just basing that on the fact that they had started so well in the league, and they had led it for a lot of the, the for for the lot of the rounds, and now they're sitting they were sitting outside, obviously going into the last game last day. Um, yeah, I would have thought that they had enough to go through, you know. Um, in, in Paddy Nealon's uh, referees report, according to Orty, uh, e, uh here, Eamon, uh, the players have all been described as uh, contributing to the melee, but it seems even if they do appeal this, that the GA are going to stick by Paddy Neal. Yeah, well, like they're probably trying to make a bit of a statement. Um, I think that this kind of a lot, a lot of this stems from, I think, um, the fact that you've got like a lot of Ulster teams now in Division One, and you know they're meeting each other then again in a really competitive Ulster Championship, and like you know teams are meeting each other in really really important games, um, so often, and they really don't want to give an inch. Like so, normally in a situation like that, you kind of would kind of look at the bigger picture, but the bigger picture is involved in these players are going to meet again in a couple of weeks, and instead they don't want to. They don't want, they're trying to lay down markers and stuff like that. But then at the exact same time, the GA are going to now try and lay down a marker of their own in, in saying that, like, we, do, we, we don't want to see this. Um, and I, it's easy, it's easy kind of to point the finger at the Ulster teams and say, oh, you know, this is happening. But, like, at the same time, like, we've seen this stuff happen with Kerry and Dublin. And we, it's easy to kind of, you, we, we see it happen with, with all of the big counties. Again, when Kerry and Dublin meet in a league game and they know that they're going to meet again in the championship. Like, that's that's where it stems from. Like, because when the game is over, you know, it's not over. You know what I mean? Like, and, um, like, that's that's what's coming from us. And, and I can't see the GA backing down on that. Um, it is a bit strange the way that, the, the way that they pick them out. I think that it's kind of going to have a, uh, more of a negative effect maybe even on Donegal because they're so short on backs um, Fadden Ferry especially and obviously Neil McGee if he's uh, you know back and fit and, uh, in terms of the impact that, you know, like it's it's in terms of um, how it has an effect on that I, I don't know to be honest but I definitely do think in terms of the GA I can't see them changing it like Macken Macken is a big player for our man had a very very strong league campaign, you know, and I was very well thought of as well. So Macken Macken would be a blow to Arma if, if they lost him. Stephen Campbell, who's been in and out of the team just this year, but I, I actually think that when he has come into the games, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Maybe not starting, he, maybe we haven't seen the best of Stephen Campbell, but certainly he's a big game player and when he comes onto the field, he, he, he always makes a contribution when he comes on as a sub um, and he's a very, very strong runner. So, and an ex-captain. So those two guys in particular would be a big blow to Armagh, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Neil McGee is is a backup at the minute. Uh, his experience is as important as his leadership there, but it's more off the field. So, it, you know, it's advantage Donny Gall in terms of the suspensions anyway, um, I, I would say, um, in my opinion. You know, they're all significant blows nearly for um, either side. But if we're 
to get into the um, league finals um, this weekend, um, Eamon, it's it's fantastic, really. Like it's a great festival of football this weekend with four games in Crow Craig, uh, three and four on Saturday, and uh, one and one and two on Sunday. Then, yeah, yeah, no, it is, um, and you know, some really kind of good contests there. Um, I suppose it's it's uh, it's particularly interesting at the for Division One and Two because of. Um, I suppose we are seeing a bit of a power shift and there's a lot of teams who are kind of maybe putting their hands up and seeing, you know, there's a bit more interest in it in general because it's not as much of a foregone conclusion. And then in the in the lower divisions, I suppose, especially Division 3 was so competitive. Um, and yeah, like it's a, it's a, it's Division 4 in terms of quality. You have two provincial champions from, from uh, the year before last. Like, so um, I think it's, we should hopefully have four good games. And I think, it's going to be very much dependent on how teams take it in terms of how close we are to championship. So um, I'd imagine that teams are, you know, you're kind of, you you don't want to pick up any injuries or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, you're, to be honest, they're in uncharted territory because we this is unprecedented how close the, the, the two are. So I don't know how, how Danny would imagine that in terms of as, as a player, how he would have liked um, being this close um, to I'd, I'd imagine you kind of just want to be playing your best football because starting to hit to your peak at, at this time and kind of just carrying it through. Listen, at this time of the year, being four weeks or three weeks out from championship in some cases, and it's a wee bit different from Mayo and Kerry because their provincial system lends itself to the powers there. For me, getting another game in the National League is better than training in an in-house game on the Sunday, which they probably would have been doing anyway. So to get an extra game in Croke Park, listen, it's fantastic to get to Croke Park. Um, and someone that played in the Division 3 uh, uh, final in 04, we certainly, yes, it was close to a, an opening round game against Calvin, but we wanted to win the game and we were a bit by awfully and uh, it was very disappointing. Um, and, the, and the Division 2 match in 2010, again, went in top of the league. And Armagh beat us by a point. And again, it was very disappointing. But we took a lot out of the defeat in terms of how could we improve on that particular performance in Croke Park. Um, and we certainly rectified a lot of issues and a lot of problems we identified on that particular day, which helped us to beat Donegal in Donegal. So I think I think it's a very, very um, good and important um, part of the National League. And to win silverware in Coke Park, I would I would put it as as an important thing. And uh, and and winning's a habit, and that that is pure and simple. And uh, I think both um, Galway and Roscommon will look at it as progress. Uh, yes, it's not first division football, but they'll certainly look at it as progress. Whoever wins that, um, you would think Galway would would have the upper hand. And then, and f- as far as uh, Calvin. You know, on Saturday, even from an Ulster perspective, you you would think that they they would want to follow through a good national league game or winning the actual division. I think it's important psychologically, and and as I say, Louth, uh, is it Louth and who's Limerick? The, Limerick. Again, Louth are getting prepared for what is going to be you know one of the more competitive Leinster provincial championships, and and then we've got the big one and a Mayo and Kerry. And certainly, Mayo won the National League a couple of years ago, and it was great for them. You could see the celebrations after it, and, and the, they enjoyed that particular day. So, 
Kerry, again, will be disappointed with being beat by Tyrone and certainly will want to follow it up with a win, especially when there's a bit of silver on the end of it. Looking at um, Division 1, um, first that game between Kerry and Mayo at 4 o'clock uh, on Sunday, um, Eamon, like, the Mayo teams have been uh, funny ones like throughout the league. It's it's like it's hard to know what James Horan is doing with his starting fifteen. Yeah, but I think he's always taken the league. He's taken an experimental kind of approach to the league. Um, like he's got good, like they've obviously had good success in the league, generally speaking. Um, but he's always tried guys out, and in fairness to him, and again, no different this year. Like he he gives you know players who have impressed in the club scene and guys younger players an opportunity. Like so, that's kind of the main thing that. Sh- that he looks to get out of the league and that's something that, you know, he's changed the complete identity of the kind of the male, your prototype male footballer in his time and he's looking for a certain type of player who can fit into that that running game and every year he uncovers one or two, like, so that's kind of the main thing that he'd be looking for um, and now at this stage, I think that they're still a bit short in terms of actually having everyone for a start, you know, the O'Connors are going to be and obviously, he's lost Tommy Conroy now for this year, so he's gone. Like, but um, yeah, just trying to have they don't have their full strength selection anyway, and then he's obviously been experimenting. So, um, you know, against Kerry, I think Kerry have been you know very consistent with their their selection for the most part. So it's kind of very a very different um, approach. And with Mayo, Danny, the big one is like who's going to play inside alongside Ryan O'Donoghue the last day. Jason Doherty and James Kerr but like whoever they put in there inside this weekend they probably need to get a big return for them Yeah and I suppose with Kelly O'Connor the big thing is Kelly O'Connor will come back in um, and and nobody really knows how far he is off but again um, he was in the panel the last day from from what I understand um, so I'm not sure how far away he will be, but certainly the sooner he can get back, the better. But Ryan O'Donoghue seems to have really stepped up, uh, this you know since Killing O'Connor's injury, and uh, you would have to think that when O'Connor does come back, it'll only, I suppose, help Mayo to get get to that promised land that they want to get to. You know, this again goes back to the very fundamental thing of what they want and what they want is an All-Ireland win they want Sam Maguire and really until they do that National League Provincial Championships is really it's largely irrelevant because they have won the National League before they have you know success of Connacht titles they need this All-Ireland and for that particular group and James Horn himself um, you know that is the that that is the ultimate goal here Um and when you see that the fact that Tyrone can come relatively out of nowhere last year and win one, you know, you would think that it would give Mayo a wee bit of hope. But it's, you know, there's only so many sad stories and, and, and hard luck stories we can give Mayo. Um, and again, the the final is another step on their journey. Um, and it'll be interesting to see experimental team or not, their new players, debutants, whatever it is, Will they be able to close out a tight game against currently one of the best teams in the uh, in the country? And as Kerry and, and Jack O'Connor has has made little of the fact that he's went all out to win every competition, even the pre-season competitions. So uh, 
again, they'll, they'll be hurting a wee bit after the turn last week. So you, you'll expect to see a bit of a backlash with David Clifford on the top, very top of his game, Sean O'Shea. You know, you would um, you would think that uh, that it's definitely carries to carry to, to be the favourites. I, I think in I think in that game there's Kerry definitely have kind of that them lads have won an awful lot on underage coming through and um but I definitely think there is kind of there there definitely is question marks over kind of um you know their I suppose their ability to to see it through in the, the big games and this is an opportunity in a final now to kind of as John Connors as as Danny says trying to trying to win every game and win every competition but like this is an opportunity for them now to come in as favourites to come in and get the job done. Like, where, where, do you, where do you think, Eamon, that they're falling down? Is defensively still where they're falling down? Or like even last weekend against Tyrone, it, you know, Tyrone certainly bring a different style and Ulster teams certainly bring, bring a different style. Um, so it'd be interesting to, to see, see what you think. I think, it, I think it's in the, the middle third where they're kind of, that that area, and you you kind of seeing he's he's changing his half forwards a lot. He's kind of trying to kind of bring a bit more support into that area. David Moran hasn't featured, but like in the years where they the year where they pushed Dublin and to the replay, Jack Barry did a massive job in the middle. But I I don't think they're getting enough out of their their midfield um, and their defence. They're obviously you know they, they probably haven't been given enough support, but. I, I think it's in the middle third where they're lacking and I, I think that's why he's kind of really working in terms of, you know, getting the half forward line more out of them to give more support there and he's kind of looking for more work rate overall but like I don't think they're getting enough enough out of that that area and again I just think it's I think that they kind of need to overall as a team just kind of get that kind of bit of um, you know, just get over the line really start getting over the line consistently in the big games so, um, because you know, you think of like that that league final against Mayo. If you think of you know, obviously the Munster final that they or the Munster um, game against Cork that they let slip, like they've let big games. You know, already, um, you know, they've lost that. They lost that Lauren final. They obviously did well to bring it to a replay, but they still, you know, there's for a young team that's come through. They've they've lost a lot of big games. They've gone to the wire already. Um, so, but for me, looking at them every year, I'm always kind of looking middle of the field, and um, they have the the young buck from Australia who came back and got injured, and he hadn't featured yet. He was kind of being played. Yeah, I wasn't going to try and, and pronounce the name. He looked you, fair. You, you would think that the fact that they reappointed Jack O'Connor and the fact that Jack then went and got Paddy Tally, there is that kind of predisposition now to get them really, really solid and really structured defensively and then to go from there but I definitely think they have enough up front with Sean O'Shea Stephen O'Brien is interesting came in there last weekend as well he adds a lot of running power and a lot of work rate around that half forward line and you know it's it's no coincidence I think that you know Kerry have have probably looked as you said that middle third to to introduce more more lungs more oxygen uh, more work rate, more the doggedness. Donegal Walsh uh, obviously done a lot of that stuff. Galvin done a lot of that stuff in his time. But, um, you know, it, it's no coincidence that I think this likes of Stephen O'Brien came in there at the weekend and actually performed, performed quite well. Um, you know, so I think, like you say, Kerry just need to get s- s- solid and tight, you know. 
um, and then I think they'll be all right, obviously, up front. Eamon, is, is swapping the keepers an issue for this Kerry team? Like, we've seen a few managers do it across the divisions. Armagh have done it, Kildare have done it, but like Shane Ryan and Shane Murphy have kind of been swapping a lot. But you think out of the championship, they probably do need to get a stability with one goalkeeper anyways. Um, I I think, to be honest, I don't think it's because either of them have kind of, people are talking about the strength of the two of them. I, I don't think either of them have been consistent enough for, um, you know, like me looking at a goalkeeper in a way that like, I'm not looking at someone making a great save or pulling out a kicking a great free or having one great kick out, you know, you, just, you want someone to be rock solid and consistent. Um, and the games that I've seen with Kerry, I've not seen that off of, off of either of them consistently. Um, but obviously that then goes back into the fact that if you're having a goalkeeper that's, you know, if you as a goalie, you're not guaranteed your place, um, then that's not going to help as well. Like, but yeah, like one of them puts the hand up, you need to kind of just, you need to kind of just stick with them for the, for the year. I think suppose we've seen that with Mayo with the kind of switching of the goalkeepers in the past. And we've seen how strong Rob Henley's been since he's been kind of reinstated or kind of been, you know, he's the unanimous choice now because Clark is gone. So I wouldn't be in favour of the, the the switching of it. Um, but at the same time, as I said, I, I don't think either of them have, have really... They're definitely two talented keepers, but I don't think either of them have, have fully cemented it. And as well, Danny, like the the big one this weekend, I suppose, on everyone's minds, like who picks up Clifford this weekend? I think you need a kidnapping before the game, before you even go for it. Um, I think... <clears throat> When you see when you see how Gaelic football evolves and people would you know there's a there's a narrative out there that that is very negative on all that but I don't you know I, I don't see yes there's bad games but there's always been bad games and there's always been negativity in the games whether that was over robustness or, or, or dirtiness in the game or whatever I think I think when you see the high levels of skills in the game cornerbacks going up and I think back last year when Ronan McNamee Potty Hampshire some of the Dublin players own merchant boys like that can go up and take scores, take goals, um, and and kick points. And when you look at Clifford, we are looking at, you know, there's a couple of players that come around once in a generation, and Clifford for me is one of those players. And you know, when you look at his scoring averages, particularly from play, the, the big thing here that he is, he's not a he's not a free kick taker. You know, you'd leave that to Sean O'Shea in large part, but he's just so good. And um, you know, Mickey Murphy, I would have put Mickey Murphy up there as a as a generational type player. Peter Canavan in the nineties uh, was one of those where he nearly made a team brilliant and uh won an all iron by himself. And Clifford, as we noted from him going off an extra time last year, the big question about Kerry, I suppose, that they need to answer is will Clifford uh if he hadn't went off against Tyrone in last year's semi-final, would Clifford have, have beaten Tyrone? And you, you, on his form, you would have to say that 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 Gary would have won through to the final. So I think all those questions need to be answered. What what I felt strange, particularly last year, was that he was cramping up. Um, so whether they, he was over-trained or under-trained, there was certainly an element of it where I was questioning why why a player of his stature, his athletic ability, was cramping up, and that you would have to, you know, I suppose maybe only he knows, or only the management team knows why he was undercooked or overcooked. But he certainly, 
you know, who's going to pick him up? You, you would think that Lee Keegan would be your man, but then when you take him out of the halfback line, you definitely lose something there. He's playing there, but certainly Lee Keegan would put him on the back foot, certainly, you know, and, and Lee Keegan has done some phenomenal jobs on top players over the years, Damer uh, Connolly and, you know, um, other main men. So I would say Lee Keegan on it because I think he would have the discipline experience and he would he would send maybe Clifford the other way. Maybe David Clifford wouldn't like sending. He would have to be wary of it. So, you know, it could be something that they could try, but... Um, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe you would you would maybe be more expert. You two guys may be more expert and who would pick them up. But certainly Lee Keegan would, would look to me to be somebody who would be very experienced and very disciplined and, and obviously be able to send them back the way, the other direction, you know. One of the things I would have noticed with Mayo, a trend for them in the leagues, is that, I, like, obviously in championship over the last however many years, um, they're kind of the nucleus of their defence has been based on Lee Keegan and Dirk and, and these boys getting them getting their matchups and doing exactly as you're saying, Danny, in, in putting the guys the other way, sticking glue like to them. But in the league, Horan doesn't generally do that. He generally do, doesn't focus on the matchups. Um, he generally kind of lets, you know, the majority, like a championship game will not come that Lee Keegan or Patrick Durkin won't be man marking where you watch them play in the league and they're generally playing in their positions and they kind of, by they're kind of tight and they like to attack anyway, but you don't see them doing those um, jobs. I, I don't think the Mayo will will put one of, will put uh, initially anyway, uh, Durkin or Keegan on them. Um, the one who I think they might put back on him would be Oshin Mullen. If they were to do that, if it was a championship game, I think they might put Mullen back on him. Um, but I think that they might give... Um, O'Hara, O'Hara, go on him and try and get physical with him and see how the hell it go. But yeah, like, you know, he kind of likes it any, anyway. You know, Clifford kind of gets high on him. He seems to love it a bit. Like, a bit like McManus, Connor McManus. He kind of enjoys it. I, I actually think O'Hara is actually, he is a really good footballer. And I think he's better suited actually to, to, to wing back. Um, because I actually, I think that from a defensive point of view, I think O'Hara can be quite loose at times. Um, but certainly Oshin Mullen, yeah, uh, is a huge, huge option for them in there. And uh, is probably comfortable in the full back line or full back. But um, certainly, yeah. But I, I, O'Hara, I think they would be taking a bit of a chance on O'Hara. Um, we've seen him against Dublin even. You know, when he's been moved out, uh, one protector final, he was moved out to half back line. He was much better, and then he was he was actually substituted. Um, but he was getting he was getting a tough time inside. So I still think when it comes to that final, that national league final, yes, I could to- totally see your reasoning behind. Maybe Horn would would allow um, other players to to pick him up, but I think he might be looking down the road. Um, as you said earlier on, Eamon, nobody likes to, to give anybody a head start, um, even from a psychological perspective. Yeah, it would make sense, obviously. It would be interesting to see now, but I just know from even that last league final and even against in, in league games, big league games against Dublin and in, against Kerry over the last couple of years, just watching it and just being surprised to see that Keegan and, and Durkin particularly, and now Mullen has come through and probably even be the top of that category, if they're just he just hasn't done it for whatever whatever reason. Maybe it's just keeping them lads mentally fresh. Like it must be difficult enough to play every game of your in the county career, just sticking, you know, 
guy. Yeah. Fair enough, they get to run up the field, but like they're sticking like Lee Keegan, like he, when the opposition attacked, like he literally just he just stuck to his man. Like he, he doesn't he, he he's not involved in kind of the back and forth at all. He's literally stuck to his man. Like um but it could third. be one game and you could be David Clifford and having the best man marker in every single team picking you up. True, true. Someone stuck to you. <laughs> yeah. But no, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. It'll obviously be, be crucial trying to get a grip of them. But like when you're marking someone like that, I suppose a lot of it does come down to a bit of you're kind of you're gambling a lot as well. Um because you have to gamble to get out in front of him. the big man. He's he's so smart, he can play up both feet. Um and you obviously need to get the support because if it's good quality ball coming in. Like the way Mayo play is based on the way they push up, and it'll be interesting to see. I think the most interesting selection is going to be where they play Aiden O'Shea. Yeah. You know, like for me, it's like if, uh, if he plays, hmm? if, if he plays, if he plays, yeah. Well, he obviously had a big role as an impact sub earlier in the league, and you know, obviously, he's a very effective at what he does in the middle. He did that centre forward kind of extra midfielder role, even centre back. For me, the best position for him over the last couple of years has been at full forward, where he's kind of led. Actually, his biggest strength there, I think, he's actually he's tackling, and the amount of turnovers that he leads, that he you know forces, and just the the the, the mayhem he causes there, and then the balance he gives for the other forwards. Um, so again, maybe that's something he's holding in reserve because he hasn't really seen, haven't really seen him there much. But when people talk about O'Shea full forward, they're like, oh, you know, it doesn't work as though he's going to be some kind of a Kieran Donaghy alternative. That's not his strength there. He's his strength is that you know he's a, such a team player and he's so good defensively and Mayo's defence is based on how their forwards tackle like and it's not like kind of a kind of they're not saying that sure like you know every team likes to say we defend from the front like they literally their forwards are their best tacklers like you know. and, and just as well um, on Kerry Danny like Dan Donahue who started the league really well has been injured Gavin White only came on the last day Paul Murphy um, has missed a bit of the league Sean O'Shea has missed a bit of the league now to injury and like I suppose the victories they're getting without all of them players and David Moore and has probably been the most impressive thing. Yeah, and and <clears throat> Kerry are going to need and and Kerry will always listen. Kerry are are fantastic football and county. Obviously, there's rich history. They're always producing players as well. They'll, they'll never be too far away. And the thing about it is, and obviously I would know Paddy Tally very well. We're still in contact. There's still a huge. Um, honour um, and obsession with Gaelic football in Kerry and uh, they do see it as that you know people say that their their first love is uh, is football and then there's you know everything else revolves around that and uh, and when you see that you can see that on the field of play when when they are introducing players but Jack Barry fun it's interesting we've mentioned earlier about Jack Barry but they actually have two two club men two two club men now that are that are in the middle of the field. One's a very young guy. Oh, is it um Jamie O'Connor? Jamie O'Connor. And Jamie O'Connor's going to be a top player. Jamie O'Connor's going to be a top player. And you would think that with <clears throat> you would think that with David Moran still to come back, it gives you I do think that it gives you huge options in the middle. And um, you know, Jack Barry being there and Jamie O'Connor. So that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a big that's I suppose that's gonna be a big um Test for Kerry this weekend, especially if Aidan O'Shea does come in around the middle there. But like Eamon said, I think Aidan O'Shea needs to go to full forward. Um, 
I think he's 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 getting on a few years, but as Eamon says, he can be the first point of first point of defence. But also, if they could send the long diagonal balls into the right areas into him, and he is a brilliant ball winner, and then have O'Donoghue working off him. Um, I think maybe the one mistake Aiden would make at times is that he, he he maybe would try and take his own score when his best attributes is winning the ball and winning it back. Um, and if he could, and if he could finally nail, you know, doing that simple, simple thing because he attracts an awful lot of attention. And maybe it's because of his size, but referees don't give him a lot of protection either. But I think I think he needs to be just a wee bit cuter when it comes to winning this race. And I think he could be very, very dangerous in round there. But certainly, Kerry, I still think we've, we've, we've to see the best of Sean O'Shea. Ganey as well. Ganey's a massive player for them as well. And he's been in and out during the National League. But, you know, in Croke Park, you would, you would think his experience there is going to be vital as well. I think it's funny what you're saying. It'd be interesting as a forward, Danny. Like, when, when you're in Croke Park there and, and the ball drops and you're in around the D, like, you, your instinct has to take over, like, and... I think with Aidan O'Shea, like a, his first thought is to pass and then he thinks he has to shoot. And then he sh- his shooting is just, it's, it doesn't seem very natural for him. Um, not, not in Croke, and certainly not in Croke Park. I mean, and I would go back to that, to the, uh, to the final against Tyrone, where he was actually inside and he had so much time. Um, and I think he went for a goal and it was blocked down by Park Hamsey or McNamee. It was one of the two of them. It was blocked down. And for me, uh, you know, given where he was at, he was actually, I, I think he was in two minds of what to do. And for a man that's played, what, in six finals or five finals or whatever else, he should have been automatically, right, I'm just going to get my score here. Because the thing that's, that's, that's followed is followed Aiden O'Shea around like a bad smell. And unjustly in some cases is that he's he's underperformed in finals. I don't see it as as that and necessarily. I, I don't think he has played badly, that badly in finals. He's played okay. But I think the expectation on his shoulders was that he was going to win the game for Mayo. And I think the fact that he hasn't scored in so many all iron finals as well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weight around his shoulders, a, a, a rub around his neck. So I think it's important for O'Shea, if he is at full forward, to do to allow his natural instincts to kick in and just go and have a shot, you know, and have a shot. And if it goes wide, it goes wide, and to pick yourself up. But I wouldn't certainly wouldn't let it um, put put me off. And I suppose that that's good. That's a bit of man management there from James Horn. And James Horn seems like a very very good man manager. So I think it's about being patient with him at this stage. And I think Aidan O'Shea has done enough over his career to earn that big bit of patience, you know. And Eamon, the gay battle for Kerry, you'd have to say, is probably who picks up Matthew Ryan because he's caused him difficulty nearly every time Kerry and Mayo have met. Yeah, well, that'd be an interesting one because when, you, when you're talking about uh, Jim O'Connor and the potential he has, he'd remind you in a way of a kind of a young Ruan in terms of that that range, you know, it's like, geez, he, he, he eats up ground. And, you know, he's very good at carrying ball. He carries it right through the heart of defence. He's kind of not afraid to carry that pace through, right through. Like, you find a gap and he'll, he'll go right through it. But realistically, they're, they're kind of... I think the thing that Jack Parry does best is is his marking. Like, uh, he did a great job in Fenton. He's very different on Ruan because he plays very differently. Like, Fenton plays very much like he stands. He goes from stand to stop-start, basically. 
And Jack Barry's very fast, so that's why he's kind of able to stay with Fenton. Where Ruan just runs around, never stops running. He's up and down, up and down. So, um, like I kind of had done a lot of a lot of kind of uh, pieces before on Jack Barry and and how well he does on Fenton. Looking at them, but like I haven't seen Barry up against an opponent like Ruan to see. Um, it's very I said it's very different. You know, if you're Fenton, actually loses a lot of midfielders by just standing there and then taking off because. Most midfielders prefer to kind of just run around and run around and they'll stay at that one pace. As I said, Barry has the pace to stay with him. But um, if if he's not able, he, he'll he'll need to be able to, to keep going all day to stay with Matthew Ram because the guy's been playing phenomenal. Like he he's such a he's such a good player. And one of the things I love about him is that he's the same as Fenton insofar as like these lads are playing year in, year out at like getting to all Ireland finals. And they're improving constantly. Like, and I just think that, like, he was—he didn't come through as a superstar no more than Fenton. They came through quite young, but he wasn't coming through as like a superstar. But like every game, they improve. Where there's a lot of lads there playing at that level, and they don't really do much improving. Like, um, and like every year, he's adding more to his game. You know, see him kicking points with his left foot now. You know, you see him like obviously taking more on, carrying it through, and he's just got so much. Um, so much hard as well, which is key to that Mayo team. So in terms of keeping him subdued, it'll be crucial in the midfield battle in keeping down a few scores because Mayo, a lot of their scores come from, you know, eight, eight and nine back. Um, but also just to kind of keep the, you know, the crowd down and he gives them such a lift now. He's kind of one of their, their big leaders. So either, I, I said, I think they'll start with Jack Barry on him. But, um, because that's kind of more suited to his game and let, let O'Connor do his running and try and hurt hurt Mayo. But if it doesn't go that way, they'll switch it up. But I think I think that um that that battle is gonna be is gonna be crucial. Like um down the years, you know, you would have had David Moran and Aiden O'Shea. It just goes to show how the game has changed now. Like you've got four athletes there now. Um, you know, David Moran and Aiden O'Shea would be ran into the ground against those lads and they're both really good footballers who would play the game on their own terms, but they would literally be ran into the ground against those four lads. They're just machines like. So that's kind of what the top teams are looking for now. So um that'd be an interesting battle, but a different battle to your traditional midfield battle. I take it it's carry for both of you to win this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I would. I would go for. I would go for Kerry. Yeah, because I don't. I don't think Mayo are at full, full tilt. They don't. I don't think they have enough of their their, their top guns out. The Division Two final then um, between Galway and Roscommon at uh, one forty five. They met last weekend. Galway are already through, um, and Roscommon defeated them one twenty to one fifteen. Now they play again um, for the third time this year uh, overall and could potentially meet um, down the road again. But this this is an intriguing enough contest here, Danny. You'd expect it to be fairly tight. Very, very much so. On the flick of a coin, there might be a point either way. Um, wouldn't be surprised with drawing it going to extra time. I think Galway had not really to play for, obviously, last weekend. They they done what they need to do against Derry and uh, you know we're you know really not playing for anything. So um, I'm not sure even lineup wise were they at full strength, Paul or um, Walsh didn't play, Comer didn't play, Conor was suspended. Uh, um, yeah, they were. I missing. think they play. 
I think they made seven changes from the dairy game. You so. see that that even again gives it another, you know, suppose it gives it a false. It gives us a false rating of maybe of, of where Galway is, but Galway will certainly want to go up as champions. They'll certainly want to win the division, um, and they'll certainly not want to give Roscommon a win and, and 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 allow them to be buoyed by it. So you know, when you look at Damien Comer, even his his him coming back in a bit of form, he's he's just such a bull of a man, um, and again. He's, he, he attracts players he attracts defenders to him because he's so strong he's so direct so and then you've got the best footballer in the country in your team and Shane Walsh left right foot just he can do everything so I suppose again Galway were a couple of seasons ago when, when Paddy Talley was involved well, Galway were, were in a National League final and they were at the latter end of the championship so you know they'll want to get back to Hope Park and they'll want to win uh, the Division 2 title uh, and get back down the road with that safely in their hands. So, I I would think that that Galway will be going all out to win the thing. Um, I'd be surprised if the uh, if if those seven changes that at least five of them didn't come straight back in. But um, certainly you would think that Roscommon Roscommon will give them a game. They certainly will, and and they've been playing well enough in the league to uh, to warrant being in that division, and 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 they certainly won't. They won't fear Galway anyway, based on the recent history. Eamon, um, as a Ross Common man, like they've they've kind of came under the radar in this league. Like there's been a lot of hype about Galway. Like the, there hasn't really been much said about Ross Common throughout this division too. Yeah, um, I I think for a start, I think the division two standard this year hasn't been that great. Um, so I think that. Um, like it was looking like a three-horse race and Derry kind of really, really kind of, uh, you know, they kind of really lost form towards the end of it. But um, yeah, a lot of the hype around Galway, I didn't really feel. And um, I think that one of the things that Galway had against Roscommon, that they, like Roscommon had a really good record against them in recent years up until the last couple of meetings. And I think that like, that win in the last game would have done Roscommon's confidence no and the good like it would have been it's so so good for them because it gave them such a lift to kind of you know go out and get that win against Galway even though it was a very weak and Galway team but um, like Roscommon's league campaign they're the only team to have gone through the whole league um, unbeaten but they were, their results were very mixed I don't think they put together a full half like they've nearly started every half they've nearly been ahead and played very well in the first half of nearly all their games and then they've struggled um, in the other except for the, the kind of the, the game of two halves in the with the wind against Clare but um, central to us common this year I think that um, there's a lot of new guys in the squad but their team is nearly pretty much back to um, in a lot of ways what it had been um, you've got McCormick in their cornerback um, is kind of a good addition but Conor Daly came back the last day and you know, he'll nearly be looking at getting that position back. Um, just kind of one change really to the forwards. Um, Heenan coming in for Kilroy if he can hold his place. Otherwise, he's kind of the same, much of the same, same goalie. But where the difference is for us common is midfield. And that's with kind of the promotion of Eddie, Eddie Nolan and Ulton Harney, especially, has got back to fitness. And like that's their inclusion is completely you know, change the the Roscommon team because it's freed up Enda Smith uh, in the half-forward line. 
And as long as West Ham in any game that they play where they can kind of break even or do well at midfield, they'll have a great chance. And that's why the one game that, that was kind of seen as kind of the real kind of poor performance was against Clare. And that was because they got absolutely dominated in the middle of the field. So um, the big challenge for them will be against Galway when they'll have Paul Conroy there in the middle of the field. And it doesn't look good for them because um, Niall Daly came on and scored five, started there the last day on his county debut and scored five points in midfield against them. So, um, yeah, they've been kind of hot and cold. The two lads have come in there. Two very good players, two kind of all-round footballers, like what we were saying about what Mayo and Kerry are going for now. Whereas Common are kind of looking for a bit more kind of dynamism in the middle of the field. And I think that that battle in the middle is going to be absolutely crucial because... Um, it has been in all of the meetings of Roscommon and Galway in the past couple of years. And if Roscommon have to bring Ender Smith back to go on Conroy, because Roscommon are going to go all out to win that game, like Silverware, um, you know, it's still a great chance of Silverware. It's going to be a huge, huge one for them. And if they have to bring Ender Smith back out to, to mark Paul Conroy, it's probably at that stage going to be been too late and they'll lose what they've been getting out of Smith in the half forward line so far in the league. Like So I think that's going to be the kind of key area um, in that game. Eamon, just on Ross Common, do you think they're more defensively secure? Because you look at the Galway full-back line of Kieran Malloy, Sean Kelly and Liam Sick, like nearly all the Galway backs are half-backs rather than natural defenders, really. Like, Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the good thing with the Galway backs this year, when you look at it on paper, they look very good unit of six. But as you said, they're, most of them are playing in positions that doesn't suit them. But like the way the modern game has gone now, like I suppose when, when Galway playing the championship, you'd imagine that they'll kind of be each of the backs will just be kind of assigned a task so they could end up anywhere anyway. But um yeah, like from the Galway back line, full back line particularly over the last number of years has been their big and their goalkeeper has been the biggest weakness, like. So he's obviously just tried to kind of go horses for courses and put good players in there. Um, but then their weakness will be and and it, I think it will be shown up against Roscommon, and that's has been the case in the last couple of years because Roscommon actually have good forwards like who are like traditional like nice nice footballers nice forwards like you know um, so they like you know ball to be hopped into them in the corner and they'll play that kind of traditional way which a lot of other teams Roscommon will still play kind of nice football and that if you're not a tradition if you're not a proper cornerback you'll get you know that you're going to get hurt there like and um, I, I see that you know like Kieran Malloy's brilliant wing back like but you put him in the corner against Tony Smith, he'll be too cute for him, you know? And Roscommon will play that ball in. They will leave the space in there. They will kick it through the lines. Um, so, uh, like, that's an area where Galway are weak, but where Galway are better than Roscommon is they, just have, they have better footballers. Like, their best footballers are better than Roscommon's best footballers. But I don't know how many of them are going to play. Is Shane Walsh going to be risked in the game? I think Comer is uh, another knock. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how many of them are going to play. And then you're relying on John Daly, who's crucial for them at six, and Paul Conroy. So I kind of, if Ross Common can get on top in those areas, um, or 50-50 even in those areas, then you kind of, you're reducing the amount of key men that Galway have. So, um, like, it'd be huge for Ross Common to, to win that. Bragging rights against Galway in Crow Park, league final, you know, pick up silverware. Um Galway want it, but like it's not as big a deal for them in reality. Like, and Danny, like we've talked on this podcast so much about Galway defensively, and like 
this this weekend is going to tell us a lot if they have improved, if they're developing the system because Pro Park is the place you will get find out if you have vulnerabilities. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and the size of the size of Coke Park is is obviously it's going to be an issue for their defence because they're going to be left one on one at times. And you know, with Roscommon, their forward line, uh, the forward line are very good. And um, Roscommon are really a sum of all parts team. They really work re- very hard. But I, I I actually think yes, while Paul Conroy is a good footballer in his own, I actually think that Galway are quite weak around the middle. Um, and I don't think that they, they lack a bit of physicality and a bit of bulk at the back as well. Obviously, they've lovely footballers, really, really nice footballers. Um, and and that's always something you get with Galway teams. But sometimes you need, yeah, as, as I would call them, trend stickers. And uh, there's horses for courses as far as that's concerned. You need men that will just go and do a job. And um, you, might, you might be able to get away with it. Um, Against against maybe teams, I suppose that are developing like Derry or Down, and the Jamie Ray, the standard one, great. And I think the Derry game in particular flattered Galway a wee bit because in the first half they were playing with a very very strong breeze at their back, and Derry were struggling to get the ball out. And I think they scored two or three goals nearly in a row. And I think as a player, sometimes those freak things happen. Um, and, and, and you write it off as a really, really bad day at the office. So, you know, the, the fact that, yes, while they won against Derry, I think the scoreline flattered them. Um, and I still think at the back, I think I still think they haven't sorted out the problems. Like, 120 against Roscommon, that's big scoring. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, yeah, while there's no doubt that, that Galway have super forwards and they can win games, if they're looking at the back, which they are, and we have seen it. They're hugely suspect around there, and and Conroy can't do it all himself. If you've two decent midfielders there, um, I, I just think Conroy will will do his best, but he's only stemming the tide that that they're just going to overrun them. So, listen, we we've talked about this, Paul, and I I think that you know my friends on Galway's defence are well known. Um, and, and I think Roscommon could very, very well win this game on the on the back of that very issue. I, I'd agree with you on the Conroy thing. I wouldn't be saying that Galway have a great midfield. I just think that Roscommon's midfield over the last couple of years has been their complete weak area. Like um, They've really struggled there. We're kind of getting, you know, they've had in players who've been injured there and they just kind of haven't had them. They just haven't had a lot of midfielders coming through. Um, and that's, you know, they've got two completely new lads in there this year now. Um, and they'll be looking for more out of them. But, like, yeah, I suppose it will show you the kind of the level of where Roscommon have been at midfield and that they've been getting swamped, like literally swamped there in Connacht Championship games for a good few years now. But um, about defences and, like, players being halfbacks, like, if you look at the Roscommon full-back line, you've got Brian Stack, who plays wing forward for his club. You've got cornerback McCormick, who plays centre-back for his club. He played in the, in the forward line for his for the most common underage. And then you've got the other cornerback, Dave Murray, who play wing back for his club. And then the player would be coming in there who'd been full back the last few years, Connor Daly, would be a wing back or a midfielder for his club. So I think it's kind of it's common to have a similar thing as well in that they're trying to put good footballers in. Uh, you know, you could be looking at that could be a bit of a trend in terms of the way the game is going and the, the amount of good quality, you know, cornerbacks or how that position is changing. But I think that um 
Roscommon are suspect in the same way. But the difference with Roscommon is that over the last couple of years with Cunningham is that they've, and that's coming from the Pierce's backbone of you seeing how, I suppose, defensive that they were in the club championship. They'll get numbers back. Roscommon will get numbers back. They'll pull jerseys, they'll annoy, they'll slow the game down. They're very cynical. Where Galway are kind of a bit, still a bit naive in, in that respect. But if the game is open, like Roscommon in a game, like if you look at both teams, the conceding that they did in the league was insane. And in games that they were generally, you know, winning comfortably, they're still conceding high scores. And like, you know, that's not going to, you know, when the two, when top teams meet, fair enough. But like, if you're conceding that against, you know, average enough or average enough teams in that division. But I think one of the things I would say about the division two, like, I think that it may have been a case of just too much or Derry running out of time. But like, I've been so impressed with Derry over the last, you know, uh, 18 months and their improvement and they looked such a strong team and I kind of thought that they were definitely going to go up and I think it is that that division was kind of quite poor this year but I think there's definitely credit to the two counties in holding off Derry um, because yeah I, I really did think that they were going to they were going to push on this year So you're both going with Roscommon there I take it yeah, I think I, I think I'll go over as common because Galway's let me down over the years. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to I'd have to see the Galway team. Like, if if Comer is not playing, will Walsh be starting? Um, it's very hard one to pick, but I think on the momentum of the last day, I think was common. Um, but again, I think it'd be a very um, you know, it'd, it'd probably be uh, Mayo that was common be meeting in a kind of final realistically, but um, it'd be a different story then, but. Um, I think in this game, it's common as a momentum. And they've got, like, I don't think they have any real massive injury problems. They've lads coming back. And, you know, you can imagine that Galway camp this this week. Like, they're after losing a game to their, their to the team they're playing against again. I'm sure all they're going to be focused on is how many lads they're, they're losing through injuries and how they get lads back on. Like, it doesn't sound like great preparation. Um, so, and they're not, like, that goal, that Galway group, I suppose, aren't mentally mentally they're not the strongest anyway. Like so, I I think that Roscommon will win that that game. They sh- they really should be. They won't get a better chance to beat Galway. Just on um, Division Three and Four briefly, then um, Loud and Limerick. Uh, but I suppose last night the I think it was last night the GA Social podcast came out with Sam Munroy and um, he was just talking about how he's wrote on his whiteboard for five years that he's the best forward, going to be the best forward and loud. And Danny, it's it's so refreshing to hear because it's not an insight we usually get into players. Oh, and usually that's that's something that people talk about maybe after the careers. And uh, it's fantastic when you see that. And, and to be fair, Darren McCurry, you know, was had a very open podcast with with BBC the week before as well. I think players recognise the fact that um, I think that, that there's a wee bit more autonomy now being given to players to um, allow them to express themselves. And I suppose players now are not being pigeonholed as as robots. And, they're, and that's, I suppose, down to new coaches, new, younger coaches, monitors, allowing these guys to, to engage with the media and to, I suppose... Be open, and and I think over the years, and Eamon will be aware of this. There's a there was a siege mentality built 
within many, many teams that, that felt that the media was their enemy and, uh, and, and perhaps complacency will be will be um, will start to creep in if, if, if people be too open um, which you know is bloody nonsense uh, as far as I'm concerned I, I think um, the fact that we have players now that are, are buying into a wee bit more into the sports psychology of things and, and, and there's so much out there and teams are getting sports psychologists it's been interesting to, to I suppose ask him where where he got that or how how he got that bit of information was it through a sports psychologist was it through his own um his learnings or it was he was uh I shouldn't know his second name now it's Shotton Graham he, he he's working, yeah he he was with Wexford with Davy Fitz and he's still with Wexford now he's he works in um he's in the the Irish in the in Abbottstown he kind of runs the gym there he'd be very good and he'd be close with a lot of those lads because he. He worked with Dundalk, so he'd be good with that kind of thing side of things. But McCurry's podcast, I thought, was brilliant. Like I, that was the one I really enjoyed. Like the insight that he gave into like true practice. Like he was talking about the difference between like going out kicking balls and thinking that's practice. Like as opposed to like how he would you know do his runs and then he would practice or you know he would he would literally be sprinting across the field shooting and like exhausted on his seventh, eight, nine, ten kick because that's a match situation and people don't hear that stuff but I think it's twofold though I think that um, a lot of that siege mentality came from just really poor journalism and really poor questions um, lazy questions lazy kind of press events where the lads get asked boring questions that they're kind of sick of being asked and, um, and then also they're kind of afraid of kind of being caught out because a lot of the time people are trying to catch them out so it goes both ways like um, I think that the beauty with some of these podcasts is that um, they kind of build up a relationship with the podcast host that they know that um, you know and a lot of people who are doing the podcast they know that they can kind of trust them trust them more or they kind of can create you know true conversation that stuff comes out where a lot of traditional media would just be a question answer thing and you know they're not going to they're not going to just open out with that kind of stuff because it's not in their nature. They're not working in media, so they're not used to kind of speaking in that way where they just kind of know that that's something that people would be interested in, you know? But uh, so, William, you said something there is very, very good, and you sort of see it changing within even stuff, the formats that were, were being, um, I suppose, were being, were being given now in television. You would see the Late Late Show on and. And despite whether people like that show or not, it's a question and answer session. Whereas Tommy Tiernan's seems to be much more popular in in that there's a flow and a conversation, just like a podcast. And I think that is the way p- players are probably better attuned to having a conversation, a real life conversation, and having that rather than, as you say, a question and answer. And I think that makes for more honesty and, and more of a rapport. Absolutely agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, because they're not, they're not, wouldn't be trained to know like what's newsworthy or what's gonna, like I don't think them lads even knew beforehand what things they would say that would kind of really get people interested. Like so, they they don't know to just kind of throw it out straight away. So you kind of need to kind of tease that out through through a conversation. But it, again, like uh, with those podcasts, you know, Voshi McConville and you know lads like that, like there's a mutual respect and an understanding. So like you have more opportunity to to get the stuff out so like it's it's a 
it's kind of you know it goes both ways basically is what i'd be what i'd be saying i kind of can i've been at a lot of press events where there's just a load of microphones sticking out and you'd wonder why when you pick up the paper the next day that the the quotes you're reading is boring as hell like because what do you expect to get out of it like where if you spend if the effort is made i think you'll get more out of the players and then when the players see other people doing it they're more likely to to do it because you know, like a lot of players have done that over the years. Like you're looking at Joe Cannon and stuff like that, and they got criticism. But then, obviously, when they won their All Ireland, you know, you realise that like you can you can still be a great player and have a personality. Like oh, absolutely. See- and how do you feel about the GPA from a journalist point of view? Because I obviously I'm a supporter of the GPA. I feel that without the GPA, would the GAA have uh, you know miraculously? came to their senses and started the three players I think there would have been a natural move towards that um, in a way but you know I think the GPA certainly helped players um, it was a much better for um, cracking the whip Yeah yeah well like the GPA does a lot you know for players kind of uh, behind the scenes I know kind of helping people with like personal stuff and like career stuff and all of that but like I think what's happening at the moment I fully agree with like because you know, I'd be in total favour of the players and any of these kind of things. I think it's absolute madness when people coming out to play saying, you know, like what the GA have agreed in terms of, you know, saying that, you know, if counties want to, if players want to hold an extra session, then they can pay for it. But if the players, like you're leaving stuff in players' hands and players are never going to, because I wouldn't even tell my boss in work, you know, that, you know, to make demands or on how often, not to mind, if I'm kind of playing for a, a jersey, you know, like so, um, or a place on a squad or whatever else like that. So I think the GPA are doing great. I, I, I love to see it, that they're kind of promoting some action on this. And it's the only way that you're going to kind of get anything done. And um, it would be interesting It would be interesting to see, would the GA advocate that the county boards, because let's, let's be realistic, would they expense the managers for the fourth and fifth sessions? Um and that, I suppose, that is something that maybe haven't, hasn't been addressed. Again, you know, the players seem to be um, seem to be being advised that it's being it's being capped at three sessions. But I just wonder what the county boards, um, was well, just being you know pushed by by county board secretaries and stuff or county boards. And I understand the reasons during COVID, but certainly, you know, are they going to start taking the fourth and fifth sessions off the managers? Uh, expense expense claim, you know, and that's I think that's an inst- interesting argument that maybe hasn't been hasn't been addressed because you know we we still are we still are burying our head in the sand as regards the the management and coach expenses. Yeah, I think the the big one there and the reason why it's been touched on because no one wants to be the one to do it is that them managers aren't getting paid by GA aren't relying on money from GA expenses in reality like they're relying on money from you know sponsors or just county board are paying them separately to that like so they're they probably would be subject to the same stuff as the players but like that's not what they're relying on you know the, the, pay, the fees and the payment that they're getting every year um would be independent to that i don't think anything that's happening with the, what the ga are doing would affect that like so um but yeah that, that that's a whole different thing in so far as like these managers are getting paid i think as a player like it's kind of the the it's like hurry up and retire so you can start to make some money like you know like it's the only time you're going to make some money and I, I don't think anyone wants to go too heavy on it because in reality like that's the only chance most of them managers were players and you know if they're making a few pound out of it 
about time like to finally getting something like so um yeah it's it's i just like to it's a good to see the gpa kind of standing getting everyone to stand together on it and make yeah just make a stance because otherwise you're not going to have any any action like because the gpa obviously went off on their own and um you know released you know released their it wasn't an agreement because they did it on their own and they went we went went away from what the gpa had uh, or went away from the negotiations and just went off on their own like so you know they put two fingers up really to the gpa and that's in in essence is putting it up to the players like um i think the thing with the ga though is that you, you'll always have players and that's the reason why they'll often get treated badly is you know, yourself if you're if you're to cut county squads of a lot of lads were to leave like you you'd still have it's you're never going to be have a shortage of players like and that's the thing with the ga that's kind of the beauty of it but it's also the weakness in terms of why the players get taken advantage of and danny just on that um three division three final um you'd expect loud to probably have an advantage there over limerick this weekend yeah i suppose you know Mickey Hart being the Wiley Yell Fox that he, you know, um there's a bit of I suppose he, he knows how to win those bigger games and it is a bigger game for Louth in that, you know, they've been dancing around division four and division three and stuff. And yes, they had a maybe a season or two in division two, but certainly back to back success of um promotions um uh, is is fantastic for them. Um, and it looked like Antrim at one time that would would go up on the fact that that Mickey was able to stave that off and and I really think what Limerick have done is, is has been phenomenal as well because you, you look at Limerick and and you know their first loves hurling their seconds rugby and then the thirds Gaelic football and and for Limerick to go up and start playing Division Two football as well you know it's really it's a phenomenal achievement for them and as I said you know they they came. They came late, Limerick. Um, the the I suppose the box the weather for for the first part of the league, and then they came late and they done extremely well. So you would have to say it's going to be a very very good game, good game of football. But certainly, Louth will want to cap off a really really good campaign. But um, Davlin and Hart, um, they seem to trust one now. Seems to be a great relationship with them, and what Louth are doing structurally and stuff there, I think um, it's it's from what I hear coming out of it. It's very, very professional. Um, stuff that, that, that they haven't been used to that Tyrone probably do as a as an everyday thing, video analysis, whatever it is. Um, there seems to be a lot of preparation going into Louth and you can see the bounce that they get out of it. Um, but um, probably Tyrone take it for granted that these are normal things were in maybe all poorer counties, but that those, those standards just aren't there yet. But certainly... Mickey and, and, and Gavin Devlin have raised the bar there and it's a credit to them. And then um, the four final is obviously before that on Saturday between Kevin and Tip and Eamon like you talked there about before when we're looking at the league finals overall uh, as a whole these are both provincial champions from a few years ago and with it being a division four final both of these sides are really going to want to win it. Yeah, yeah, they're both going to kind of expectation. I think both of them, they both would have been expecting nearly to be, well, other than they know that playing against each other would be tough, but they should really have been winning every game, which they, they didn't in this division. They kind of, both kind of got promotion, but yeah, they both kind of struggled at periods in, in, in the 
in the division. Um, so now they're both out of it should be a big weight off the shoulders. So like you'd imagine this kind of they could play some of their best football in, in this game. Um, but they definitely both want to win it. But I think Calvin over the league have been, you know, they still have been a better team, they've been more consistent. I think Tipperary kind of they drastically improved towards the end of the league, which kind of seen them through. But um yeah, like I think both counties are kind of struggling really. Um in terms of like even holding on, I think it's kind of indicative of GA. And so far as you're seeing the way that even two counties like that who had kind of success, they came in a came after a long time away. And like you're, the, the player turnover that they're both dealing with is huge. Like um, key players kind of come and go on. Um, and, you know, they suffered in the league because of it, because obviously they kind of lose a lot of lads in league games more in championship. And then you've seen the end result being going down to Division 4 and then struggling in that. So, yeah, both of them will, will want to win and hope that, like, some silverware and a win in Crow Park will kind of help boost football in the county. Um, but Cavan, I think, will be will be a good bit too strong for them in that game. Uh, that game throws in at half two on Saturday and then Limerick and Loud at quarter to five as well on Saturday as a double header. Uh, but that's all on our preview of the National Football uh, League finals. We managed to get it all into a bumper show and some great action to look forward to uh, this weekend. And thanks a million for your time, Lance. Thanks, Paul.